the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. Great night for Dylan G. Salvador Perez hit a two-run homer. Alex Gordon drew the only walk and had another hit. Only were able to get on base twice, and that's about it. That about sums up the night. That's about all the positives as Baltimore emerges victorious 8-3 to in Game 2 of the weekend series at the K with the Royals. It's Davo, and as always, glad you're along here for another edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll look at tomorrow's game, which is very much in the Royals' favor. We'll talk a little bit about the tough stretch coming up. The Royals about to head out on the road for 13 of the next 16 games. Outside of a three-game set Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of the following week against the Washington Nationals, the Royals will be gone quite a bit. That's the bad news. Of course, the good news is the Royals have you know, more home games from that stretch, a lot more. Seemingly home almost the entire month of July and September, by the way. So that should be good a little bit later if the Royals can hopefully get that win tomorrow and then out of that 13-day stretch, you know, pick up seven or eight of them. You'd be looking pretty good and be happy about where you're at. But let's start with tonight. Our player of the game, Dylan G. Who else would it be tonight? Dylan G. Pitching like a G. I've been waiting to say that all night long. G. Went four and a third innings out of the Royals' bullpen. Saved the entire thing after Chris Medlin struggled. Dylan G. No runs. Scatters just three hits. Three soft singles. Just three base runners, too. That. The three hits is all they had. No walks in the four and a third for Dylan G with five Ks. I'll take that all day long. Five Ks and four and a third. No runs. Three base runners. Yes, please. Got his pitch count up to 63. And I'm trying to figure out more what makes Dylan G effective. Because he's off to a great start this year for the Royals. Was able to see his pitches more up close and personal this evening. The fastball looks heavy. That's that's what I kept thinking to myself when I was watching him. There's certain guys that there's some guys that are described as sneaky quick, like you know where the radar gun says it's 88 or 91, but it seems a lot faster. And the Royals have a couple of those guys in their staff. You know, Chris Young being the first one that jumps to mind. But with G, it's like the ball just looks heavy. There, it, does that make any sense? It's hard to explain it because I know that. You know, I know that's not really a, a, a very good explanation. It doesn't really tell you a whole lot. But from a quote-unquote, you know, old-school scouting eye, he throws a heavy fastball with good depth on it. And it works at the knees, of course. That helps a lot as well. So, I mean, he was great, though. 0.96 if you want to look at ERA. Still very small sample size, obviously. But what he's doing, he being Dylan G, is putting himself in position for a promotion, if you will, as the year goes on. I mean... Either as a possible rotation candidate down the line, you would, in a perfect world, you know, in your mind, hope that all five of your starters make every start all year and they're all effective and they all don't get injured. We know that's not going to happen. The Royals are probably going to need Dylan G to start some games. Who knows how many? Almost a guarantee if he stays healthy, though, he'll be starting some games this year for the Royals. So... And hopefully that would be it. In a perfect world, also, you'd hope that it's just one guy that gets hurt or isn't effective, and that's all you need. But, you know, probably a couple other guys. Mike Miner will obviously be a guy who will most likely start some games this year, although you never know what will happen. But anyway, Dylan G, either, you know, a spot starter or more, or maybe even at some point, if certain guys are ineffective in the bullpen or someone gets hurt, you could always move him into a nicer role with that velocity there. Another guy with good velocity is Chen Ming Wong. The the velocity is really good. Sitting 93, 94. Uh, it's gotten hit fairly hard, but again, hasn't gotten real regular work. So, and and if he's the last guy in your bullpen, look, a lot of teams, 
you know, Wong would be like their third or fourth best relief pitcher. I mean, I'm looking at you, Cleveland, with Jabba Chamberlain in your bullpen, right? So uh, what a luxury the Royals have out there. And Dylan G could be this year's Chris Young. You know, where he starts a lot more. Who knows what will happen to him? Maybe he turns into the next Luke Hochever slash Ryan Matson slash Wade Davis, a guy who was a starter that ends up becoming a really good short reliever slash fireman. We'll see with time. It's a good problem to have, though, having a guy like D, you know, G and, and, and a nice signing by Dayton Moore very early in the offseason. Nice move there. Now, for as good as G was, Chris Medlin was the opposite tonight. Not a good night for Chris. And granted, the Royals' defense didn't help out a lot. Although there were two good plays. There was the Moose diving to his left to throw out a base runner to end an inning. And then, of course, you had the Salvador Perez, Manny Machado, for some god unforeseen reason, was running in the first inning at second base. Two outs, left-handed hitter. So you have a clear throwing lane for Salvador Perez. And you've got Chris Davis at the plate. And you just try try to steal third, and he's out easily. It wasn't even close. No idea what the hell he was thinking. And, of course, you knew it was coming. The next half inning, and again, uh, the next inning, I should say, not half inning. The next inning, and again, you know, Medlin pitched out of the windup versus the stretch. The pitch selection could have been different. So it, this probably would have gone completely different. But you, you can't always just say, well, they would have been up 2 nothing." But, of course, Chris Davis very predictably hit the first pitch fastball opposite field for a 407-foot home run. Like you, just, you just knew that was coming. When somebody makes a boneheaded base running play and ends an inning, it seems like that next guy that would have hit always does something to start the next inning. Although I'm sure that probably is only true like one out of five times, kind of like the whole well, how often do you see it? A guy makes a great play and leads out the next inning, which is, well, how often do you see that? Probably one out of nine times. I mean, not that much, but, you know, anyway. Chris Medlin just not good tonight, though. Three and two-thirds, seven runs all earned. That was a bit bloated by the defense, I mean, namely a bunch, uh, a botched rundown play by Omar Infante, Alcides Escobar, maybe to a small degree, Lorenzo Kane, who kind of stood there and watched. But obviously it's not Kane's responsibility to sprint in from center field and get in a rundown play. But he wasn't that far away from the play and didn't really help much. I don't know. Infante and Escobar didn't communicate at all, letting Chris Davis advance to second base. And, of course, that would be the end of the night for Medlin. And then G comes in and gives up the little bloop hit that's five feet behind Hosmer right in front of Dyson. And that's the kind of night it was for Medlin. There was plenty of rockets. Plenty of those nine hits were legit. Five, six of them were legit smoked balls, but, you know, the defense didn't do him any favors either. You know, that botched rundown play was awful. We saw Alcides Escobar not turn a double play. Vicky went out of it to his credit, but didn't turn the double play against Adam Jones in the first inning. We saw another double play that could have been turned where Omar was slow. We saw another play where Alex Gordon, the goal glover, froze in a line drive right at him. The ball soared over his head. You don't see him misplay a ball more than what, a handful of times a year that he missed the cutoff man. So that wasn't an error, but two things on one play you never see from Gordo. And then for good measure, you have a, a blooper in the triangle out there that should have been caught between Omar Infante, uh, Lorenzo Kane, and Alcides Escobar. It was Kane and Escobar both thought Infante had an easy plan. He was the closest. He should have taken it and kind of just peeled off. And then Infante was looking at them both like, are you guys going to catch this or what? Just not a good night for the Royals defensively. I don't know. It was, it was like their head wasn't in it. Just not a good night defensively for the Royals. And hopefully Omar's all good. You don't normally see Omar make defensive mistakes, multiple. Uh, we just mentioned a couple of them in, in one night. But uh, the good news is Omar hit the ball really hard tonight. First at bat, all the way, almost to the fence, hit a double, and another at bat, missed, just missed a double, and a third at bat by like a foot. So Omar did. The good news is he struck the ball really well offensively. It's probably the, the, well, not probably, definitely the most 
quote-unquote booming line drives he's had this year. So that's the good news. The bad news was the defense was bad. I'm sure you'll see Christian Colon in there tomorrow. It's second to give him a day off. I'm sure you'll see Paulo Orlando. I do think Salvia, though, will be in there with Ventura tomorrow. So besides that, I mean, Chris Davis, four for five. A couple of RBIs, three runs, the big home run opposite field. I mean, the bad defense. Dylan G was good. Offensively, just a couple of quick things. Alex Gordon, the only guy to get on base twice. He, a good sign there. You want to see, not, not that he's the only guy to get on twice, but the fact that he got on twice, one of which was through a walk. Gordon also gets on base before Salvi hits the home run in the second inning, and that's all really. I mean, the Royals get one more later, meaningless run, but that's really about all that it was tonight. Not a good night offensively. Six strikeouts for the Royals, just one walk. Again, if they're, if they're going to walk zero or one times, you can't be striking out more than four times. There's just too many times. Now, if you're going to walk three, four, or five times, you can strike out six, seven times. But not you just can't do that. I mean, we've seen that a lot from the offense this year. Striking out more than they typically do. And it's not like huge deal. Still small sample size, and it's not like they're astronomically pacing ahead. Uh, but it's noticeable if you look at the stats. Compare them. Not a real pretty pace. Couple guys in this lineup in particular, but we'll wait about a month before we even think about naming names and anything like that. We're so early, and the Royals are still in good shape. Yeah, somebody tweeted me at Royals Clubhouse. Oh, are you concerned about the Royals slipping into second <laughs> by a half game? It's not even May first yet. Who cares? I don't care what 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 place anybody's in until about July first. Then I'll start really paying attention. For now, it's just winning games. You know, it's it's a it's a marathon. You're putting yourself in position. You know, you go on a, what is it, Iditarod or some of these long, you know, a cross-country race where you pace yourself or a NASCAR race, you have to change tires, decide when to pit, you know, have a strategy. It's all marathon, guys. We're you got to pace yourself to get through a whole season healthy and rest your guys enough with off days and, you know, win series and not worry about individual games. It's all about series, win series. And the Royals have done that every time except for that game out or the series out in, uh, in uh, Oakland over the weekend, last weekend. So, no, I'm not worried. I, I don't really care about what the other teams are doing around the Royals until June, July. June, June at the earliest, more so July. And, yes, you. I'm not saying I don't pay attention. I'm not saying I'm not impressed by what the White Sox are doing, bringing in guys like Matt Latos, who are becoming world beaters all of a sudden. And Radon threw a nice game today. They got a walk-off win against Texas today. Cleveland got a nice outing from Kluber and hit the ball. I pay attention, believe me. I, I follow them inside and out, the whole American League especially. All of baseball, but especially the American League. So I'm not saying I don't follow them and watch them, but I mean I'm not going to really concern myself too much. As long as the Royals keep winning series, I'm not too concerned. I'll start worrying when it becomes clear the one or two teams the Royals are competing with. Although according to Pakota, the Royals are about to win like what, like what, fifty? No, sixty-five more games. That's it. Pakota has seventy-six. Yeah. So Pakota thinks it won't be a big deal. Pakota thinks it'll just be the Royals battling with the Twins for last play. So there you go. Anyway, let's look at tomorrow. Mike Wright takes the hill for Baltimore. He's one and one with the five seven three. Not really particularly good. Does have more velocity than the fellow we saw tonight. Your Donovan Ventura, his mound mate tomorrow. One and zero, two point eight one. Let's talk a little bit about Mike Wright. A little more velocity, like I said, than Wilson, Tyler Wilson tonight. He's more of a 94 guy, occasional 95, but sit 93, 94, touch 95, 96. He can get it up there when he wants. Not really a strikeout pitcher, though, either. He comes off six innings in his last start to Toronto. Six innings of three-run ball, four Ks, three walks. 
No one's seen them more than three times in this Royals lineup. But a stat, like I said last night, if you're a, a DraftKings person, not that anybody in, not that the host of this podcast plays DraftKings, not that the not that the host of this podcast might have had Chris Davis tonight on his DraftKings team. But if you did, you know, play DraftKings, Lorenzo Cain is two for three with two home runs and the three bats against Wright. And there you go. Probably means nothing, but Locaine is due for a home run. He's had one there for quite a while. It hasn't gone deep in a while. An afternoon game with the ball jumps. Just going to throw it out there. Kind of feeling a Locaine jack. I'm kind of feeling a big day. I've been calling big days from Gordon, and they haven't totally happened yet. He did hit the home run a couple days after I said he'd finally hit one. And he's had a little bit better of a homestand. You know, the, bat, the bats are getting better for sure. I haven't really called a Lorenzo Cain big day yet. I'm, I'm feeling one tomorrow afternoon. Put me down for that. Uh, Ventura, four innings his last start against Detroit, two runs on six hits. The key is always his command. The stuff's always there, and he's become a pitcher this year. That, his last start to me was the most impressive start, and again, not numbers-wise. It wasn't that impressive number-wise. Four innings, two runs, six hits, five Ks, three walks, not impressive. It's just the way that he's been able to pitch this year. In that game in particular, by the way, he went six innings. Is that four innings? Right? Did I write that down wrong? Anyway, it doesn't matter. The last, the last outing was really impressive to me because he would throw changeups in fastball counts. He would throw changeups on three-two to Miguel Cabrera. He would throw his breaking pitch. I mean, he's using all three pitches now at any time in any count. You can't set dead red anymore. He's just becoming more of a pitcher. And, and you know, if and when he can get his control more consistent, he has the front side issue as many of the pitchers do. Then maybe the Royals do get the one two that they, they think he's gonna be. I'll, I'm still on record as saying he's more of a of a three. But again, as I say every time I say that, quantify that. That's not a diss. A, a good number three starter, which I think Ventura will be for a number of years, is worth a hell of a lot of money. And the Royals got a steal with him. So glad they have him, and I'm excited to see him go against a potent Baltimore lineup tomorrow. Twelve walks and sixteen innings for Ventura, of course. The big thing to walk as we you know to watch as we just said coming up. Tomorrow. So there you go. It's Clubhouse Conversation. Look forward to bringing back a current Royal from AAA Omaha. Decent chance you'll see this fellow at the Major League level this year. He'll be coming up, I believe, Tuesday. We'll have him on the show. Got a former Royal booked for middle of the week as well next week. We have current Royals every week during the regular season, if you didn't know that, and former Royals every week of the offseason, and the majority of them, what, 55 weeks, probably 45 weeks of the year, we have a former Royal here as well on Clubhouse Conversation. So weekly former interviews with former players, weekly current players during the season, and your dish here 70 to 75% of the time. We're going big time here, baby, on Clubhouse Conversation. Appreciate you listening. Remember, follow us on Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse, Clubhouse Conversation, Facebook, clubhouseconversation.com and drop me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Dave O at clubhouseconversation.com if you listen. Hit me up on Facebook, Twitter. Say hey. I'd love to know who's out there listening. Hear from some of you, but I'd like to hear from more of you because I see the views. There's lots of them there, but not getting too many people that are reaching out. So I'd love to hear from you and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night and we'll talk to you uh, when the Royals win a game here, hopefully. Hopefully we'll get one as soon as tomorrow. Like the match at tomorrow. Do you like the Royals to get the two out of three and hit the road, Jack? Go Royals!